Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart. Hey, there you go, party time. The Five Heart Podcast brought to you by Coordination.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey uh, family of podcasts, and uh, of course, proudly associated with the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, joined by uh, the other two legs of the tripod. We have to my left, Hoss Reuter. To my right, John Dam Johnston. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine uh, pre-Christmas episode? Hoss, I'll let you start. I'm doing good. Just uh, existentially tired. Eggs? What does that mean, existentially tired? The whole being of my existence is just exhausted from a long semester. Okay. And I've got grad school applications to fill out over break, and I start student teaching January 6th, and just... A lot of work, but it's great. I can't complain. It's what I signed up for. There you go. John, how are you doing in your old age? Yeah, but Oh, how am I doing? What? There, young snapper. That's the question. <laughs> We're going to start like that. I'm doing fine, except for, you know, I finally decided that I'd really get serious about, uh, you know, getting in better shape, getting in Stronger, my body's falling apart. Well, if you would have done squats when you were younger, you wouldn't be in this predicament. Oh, I did shit when I was younger. I squatted what, you horse. Milk ale up from the dairy barn when the Pawnee were attacking out in Arapahoe, Nebraska. Well, that was pretty damn close to Arapahoe. When Sitting Bull and the and the Sioux were raiding across the prairie. We we played Arapahoe in high school football. By the yeah. way, uh, I'm sure you're all. If if you've never been out there, any of you listeners, it is worth the trip out to uh, uh, just past Crawford, Nebraska, to Fort Robinson. Uh, just a lot of history out there. Uh, not all of a necessarily good history, but uh, uh, I went out there years ago when I lived in that area and uh, got some nice memories. Took some really nice photos. At dusk. So anyway, uh, let's let us bring in, welcome in our uh, uh, guest this time around on uh, the Five Heart Podcast. We have a guest. Yeah, damn it, John! Why don't you? Did you even look at the show notes before? Uh. Okay. Your damn guest. He's our guest. He is okay. our co-contributor at Coronation. Rick Cohn, welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast, buddy. Hello, everyone. How is everybody? Based on the fact that... We already went through that, damn it, Rick. What do you want from me? I was going to say, based on the fact that today's uh, early signing day, uh, probably not as busy as you have been. Well, I got to tell you, I had some stuff going on here at the house, too, and it has definitely been a one-armed... one-armed paper hanger here at the recruiting headquarters. 
Would you say you've been as busy as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest? Well, that's where I was headed, but I decided to keep it uh, family-friendly. Why? (laughs) Do you you know who else is on this show? (laughs) Well, that's John's job. John would be like, yeah, I'm... John's over there. family-friendly. John's over there three Guinnesses in. I'm friendly to every family I know. John's... (laughs) John's over there, three Guinnesses in, and he's like, as busy as a as a one-legged man in a paper-hanging contest. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't keep up with these similes. That's fine. Uh, so let's dive right into it. Uh, you know, it is Wednesday night, so the information that we have is uh, as fresh as we can get it to you. I mean, we're getting it to you Friday morning, but it's still fresh to us. Uh, let's... You know, run down this uh, this early signing day, and which, by the way, I think takes all the fun out of the regular signing day in February because now everybody's just signing in December, aren't they, Rick? This is the fun one. Yeah. Well, it's you see, if you if you like drama, then the second one can be really good because there is uh, a there's not a lot of chick there's not a lot of chicken scratches left in the uh, in the bowl, and there's a There'll be a whole lot of chickens after that little bit of chicken scratch, and it can get pretty exciting. If you're not a uh, a uh, monster recruiter like our coaching staff is, so late signing day will be boring for us because we got everybody on the bus today. Real quick before we jump into it, since since you said us and bus, can we talk about Gus real quick? Because I got a lesson. Uh, about eight o'clock tonight, about Gus. Uh, first of all, tell all of our listeners who Gus is, Rick. Okay, so Gus is my performance horse. So uh, my wife and I do uh, cowboy racing, which I have mentioned before, and we have gotten a lot more serious about it in the last year. And uh, as part of that, we lent our horses. To to champion international riders from Israel and Australia to compete in the world finals in November. And uh, they did a fantastic, a horse that my wife started and I trained on obstacles, finished seventh in the world in the futurity on a guy who had been riding him for 10 days. I mean, that's uh, pretty cool. And Gus finished 10th in the international class and Chevy, my wife's uh, regular horse, finished uh, 11th. And so it was a really good week. But on the way home from Texas, we were uh, we were uh, hit from the rear by a semi at oh, over wow. 60 miles an hour. And it was catastrophic. And I don't know how we lived. And uh, we had to cut two of the horses out of the trailer with the jaws of life. And they had to go to uh, University of Georgia uh, Animal Hospital, and, which is one of the it was close, and it's also one of the best uh, equine facilities in the nation. So, so, but all our horses lived, and they're all going to be okay. But we're just still coming back from that. It was one of you know. It, there's a lot of force and trauma involved in that, and uh, and so it just takes a long time to to come back. And I had to run outside. I'm still doctoring horses and doing wound care. So the latest thing that we're dealing with with my horse is he has a swollen knee. So there's a ligament that runs across the front. Think like think like MCL. 
he's got a swollen he's got a swollen MCL in in football terms, and and so I'm doing heat and ice and special drugs and let me tell you something about performance horses. You know all that stuff that uh, that the strength training people do, and then all the stuff that uh, the dietitians guys where you're cracking like weight of food and what times of the day is the most and all that stuff it's we have to like have meetings about change and ration on our animals and tapering stuff off before competitions and getting our hay like analyzed for protein content so so now we're doing the same thing that adrian martinez is doing this off crew we're doing this off crew so so anyway that's what's going on with us is we got hit by two semis in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and stopped the go traffic, and it was bad. And and we're coming back from it. We're alive, and our horses are alive, and that is a miracle. Well, we're glad to hear it. Yeah, I I just you, you know when you you explained to me you know I, I texted or messaged you and and John and and Hossa all about the same time saying hey you know we can go in five minutes if. I'm ready if you all are ready. And you said, hey, I need 30 minutes. Uh, and, and the reason is you just, your message to me was just started cold soaking Gus's knee. And I didn't know what that meant. And then when you explained it to me, all I got to thinking was like, well, damn, I've got a bum knee. You want to come cold soak mine next? I'm telling you, all the stuff that I'm using on him works on humans. Because when you're having a sword or from something, you go out to the barn and steal that stuff and it works. So, all right, I'm going to go to a barn and steal Where'd that the stuff. Gus come? As long as you're not stealing horse tranquilizers. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Where, well, we keep those locked up. Name, where did the name Gus come from? Well, so my wife is over here giving me a dirty look right now. So Uh-oh. he came to yeah, you so are. So uh, he came to me with that name and. That was his, they have like a registered name, like his real, his registered name, like on his birth certificate, his horses have birth certificates, and they're expensive, is uh, Chip, I'm hot. And, but his barn name is Gus, and he came to me with someone else had named his barn name Gus, and I don't change names of animals when I get them. So, so, but he's really kind of like, and Augustus Percy Ashley the Third kind of horse. <laughs> we call him Gus, but if you think of like a movie that was made uh, many moons ago called uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail, you think of Prince Herbert in the castle and Swamp Castle. That's my horse, Gus. So he's very dramatic. Uh, I have one more question. Yeah, you loaned these horses to these riders. You they didn't rent them or pay you to use them. So what ha- what ha- happened was, so we sent them to uh, what I'm going to call the best cowboy racing horse trainer in the world. Yes, Michael Jordan of cowboy racing. I I don't think that's an overstatement, and she trained them for a month while and for these international riders for the use of the horses. So that's 
$10,000 for the training we got out of it. Okay. Sounds like there. So you got something out of it. Oh, yeah. No, we have some of the most well-trained horses for cowboy racing there are. All right. So I don't think that's an overstatement. Last question, and then we're going to move on. Hoss, I know you're sitting there just chomping at the bit. Can you all train my son to regularly use the toilet? We're still fighting that battle, John. Oh. No, he can't. Nobody can. Nobody can train your son. Your son is in charge. You fail to recognize. Your son is in charge. Yeah. I hate to tell you this, but John is right. (laughs) John is right. How many times do you hear that? Not usually on this podcast. Unless not very, it's got, not very he's fucking got to, off. He's got to decide it's time for him to use the potty. Hate to tell you. Well. Not really up to you, buddy. All right. Greg, let me give you some advice that my adolescent psych professor said in the class over the summer. When you have kids and you're stressed out about potty training, just remember, no one reaches 16 years old and are still shitting themselves. They'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> Well, that's the that, that's the threat that I give him. I said, "All right, buddy, we're going to send you off to high school in diapers." <laughs> He'll figure it out at some point. I mean, I know he will. Out. It's just I'm impatient. He's impatient. We're all impatient. So, uh, hey, so National Signing Day early period. Uh, boy, howdy! The Huskers sure did have a day. Let's talk a little bit about, of course, if you want to see the entire rundown, I encourage you to go to coordination.com. You can see everybody. You can see it, uh, about a 15 minute by 15 minute update of the morning. But uh, Rick, let, I guess let's start. With, were there any surprises? Any anyone anything that happened that maybe you didn't expect? Well, there were a lot of things that I didn't expect on both sides of the coin. This particular uh, signing day, I can tell that we are getting closer to contention because. There's lots of signing day drama, and just like LSU and Alabama and Ohio State and them, we had our own signing day drama, and we won some of them. So, I mean, we're getting we're getting a step closer, guys. We are. I know it's my job to sell hopes and dreams as the recruiting writer, but we are actually getting a step closer. So, number one, Caden Johnson. Caden Johnson. Now, this is all unsubstantiated rumors. I wasn't there, but I'm going to say it anyhow because it's a podcast. And that is, he was on the phone yesterday, so that would be Tuesday for listeners, and said something that uh, set Scott Frost off. So I guess on Saturday, the last day that there was that there could be co- uh, visits, Coach spent Frost spent most of the day with him. He spent the morning with him. Then Caden Johnson, uh, number one outside linebacker prospect from Minnesota, said played in the state championship game, and Scott Frost flew back to Lincoln and spent the afternoon with fellow commit Keyshawn Green. Then he flew back to spend the evening with him. Well, I guess some things happened in that evening it kind of raised the hairs on Coach Trost's neck. And then on Tuesday, there was a conversation over the phone that did not go well, and 
and Fro- Coach Frost had had it, I guess. So I'm just reading between the lines here. Uh, Caden Johnson wouldn't give Coach Frost the assurances he wanted, and he wanted to be, I don't know, wanted some guarantees, and Coach Frost doesn't do that. You have to earn your spot. You have to earn your playing time. And he'd had it and said, go away. I'm not dealing with this crap. And uh, so, so he did. And we moved on to bigger and better things. So that was the first surprise. But then on the good side, we got Marcus Fleming, four-star wide receiver out of Florida. We got Jaden Francois, another four-star safety out of Florida. We got Alante Brown, four-star wide receiver from Chicago. And we got Philadarius uh, Payne. Defensive end from Scranton, Pennsylvania. I'd never even heard of these guys a week ago. Four four stars and a Juco three star. Right? Big wins. Big wins. Ended up with the top 20 class. Uh, we're full. I think there's one spot saved back for a grad transfer. There's a really good walk-on class. So it was a, it was a good day. It was a good day. Think of, think of the gif with uh, what is it? Ice Cube. He's sitting there with his head from the movie Friday. The day was a good day. I think that would be appropriate to describe today. That's you know quite a list. It's funny you mentioned a couple of those uh, you know Florida kids who were not really on anybody's radar, and you know, I guess they flipped from. You know, from Miami, uh, I I saw that I saw a tweet. It was shared in the Slack chat room. That's the only way I would have uh, seen it. But it was from a Miami Herald writer, and it said something about like uh, you know two Miami kids or, or you know in-state kids, you know switching from the Canes to a middling Big Ten team in Nebraska. And actually, I I had to. I was sitting there. I was waiting. Uh, for you know, a forklift to come unload some water off my truck, and I, I, I just, I couldn't contain myself. I screenshot the ACC uh, standings, you know, regular season standings for 2019, and I put, yeah, yeah, you know, went to a middling Big Ten team versus a middling ACC team in Miami because, and I tagged, I think I tagged Kane's football in it, but, uh, uh I mean. Let's face it. Miami's is in a similar boat as Nebraska. They're not, you know, blowing anybody's hair back at all right now. And and so I thought they were six and six. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a, a cheap shot from that you know Miami Herald writer. Not I don't even remember his name. Not looking it up. But uh, I was like, personally, on, I would. Sorry, Greg. No, go ahead, Hoss. Personally, I'd take it as an honor if other programs are uh, accusing us of cheating and playing the bagman game. Did you did you see responses to that tweet? There were people that actually said the Nebraska bagmen came through. I thought that yeah. was hilarious. Oh yeah, I was I was smiling all day when I saw that. So I was like, that doesn't happen. But if teams think that we're doing it, we're doing something right. It means we're doing something. Yeah, right. we're beating people for players they want. 
it's not assembling a cast off crew of Mac and marginal D one prospects like under Pulini. So yeah, this this class that you look at the average ranking, it's one of the highest that we've had, like the average per player uh, ranking. And I mean, stars aren't everything. There's something. And uh, if we would have we we uh, didn't get one guy, Miles Slusher defensive back who ended up flipping from Oregon to Arkansas instead of us. And if we'd have got him, it would have been the highest ranked class. This since 2000, with the exception of that amazing 2005 class. that was Other than that, this would have been the highest ranked class since then. I mean, this is the general feeling. I thought the general feeling going into this thing that it was woe is me and doom, doom, doom. You oh, know? Frost even admitted as much that we were a little behind in recruiting once the regular season ended. That'll happen when you're dealing with a season that's kind of gone off the rails and you know, you're kind of triaging what can be fixed and what can't be fixed. But it's been a hell of a finish. I mean, this is – I followed recruiting, you know, going back to – the early days of rivals and that Bill Callahan 2005 class, this is probably the best class that we've had since then. Um, lot, lot of difference makers, potential difference makers. And there's a lot of guys who, while they may not be like generational talents or all Americans, you got a lot of solid all conference caliber players who, if they perform like we expect them to, you know, project well within our systems. Absolutely. And here's the biggest thing, something that even this staff hasn't done before. If you look, what did we need? What did we need so badly? Right. Just we needed that big bodied Quincy Anunwa receiver. Mm-hmm. Got receivers it, and pass right? rushers. And we needed pass rushers and they signed like three of them. And we needed athleticism at the inside linebacker spot. They signed like five of them. Right. I mean, they Sean Green. filled all the holes. So even if it wasn't with the number one player, but they filled all the holes. They didn't miss. Like the first 2017, wait, this is 2020. So the 2018 class, right, they only signed one offensive lineman who didn't even make it to school. And then last year, they didn't sign a, the defensive, they didn't sign any defensive linemen. And and now we had to sign, you know, they, they've, they've missed. There have been holes that they couldn't fill. But this time... All the holes were filled, and that's what makes this class even better than the rank. I always like it when the holes get filled. <laughs> uh, thank you. I, you know what? There, I'm. Nope. You set me up. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there because I think that's we got what mixed, she said. I think we got mixed <laughs> company. Um, no, it. Uh, you, you, you kind of answered my question. You know, before I had the opportunity to ask it, Rick, and that was about, uh, you know, getting the the needs uh, uh, on the roster and and some much needed depth at linebacker. I mean, it's you know, it was un- it's been unreal. I think how I don't want to take anything away from you know anybody who's you know been wearing that you know jersey defending that ground for the last five, six, seven years, but. It's been woefully thin, and dare I say, a little disappointing at, at linebacker for a number of years now. So to get you, you know the uh, 
the Nico Coopers and, you know, on the inside you got Blaze Gunnerson. I mean, you got, you've got some, some guys coming in. And, like you said, addressing needs. And they're guys. They're dudes, right? They're not. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's. They're dudes. And, and I remember, uh, I was listening to, uh, coordinations of bangerangs and daggers. Uh, and it was not the most recent episode, but it might have been, you know, one before that. It was before they beat Purdue. Uh, it went to overtime with Indiana, you know, so things like that. Expect more from them. Uh, you know, let them, let them, you know, go, go listen to of bangerangs and daggers for Nebraska ball talk. But, um, you know, they said that one of the things that Nebraska basketball has been missing is a dude. You know, like you can you look at Ohio State and they've got a dude, or uh, you know, I'm sure Michigan State has a dude, or, or whomever. And they, they just they haven't they, they've got a lot of good role players, a lot of talent, but they don't have that guy you can depend on every time. So, like you said, you know, in this recruiting class, we're getting. We're meeting some of the needs. We're adding some depth. You know, you add like a, a, a Marvin Scott, you know, who's who's going to, you know, you know, and, and look, we, this is all potentiality. You know, I mean, we, you know, we hope that everybody here, you know, succeeds and, and leads Nebraska back to the promised land. But that, that all it is right now is just potential, uh, you know, but the Omar Mannings and, and uh, uh, you know, we've we've talked a bit about uh, – uh, you know, in the past, we've talked about Nash uh, Hutmacher. I think I'm saying that right. You know, these are these are mm-hmm. solid guys who, you know, maybe they're not going to come in and and see the field immediately, but give them a little bit of time. You know, in the in the training, you know, program and and you know the weight room, you know, the diet, the, the nutrition, like like you mentioned, uh, Rick. These are guys that are going to be immensely important to Nebraska's, you know, continued upward trajectory. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and not just like there's some solid guys. I mean, Turner Corcoran, he's the number 38 player in the nation overall, right? He's going to be playing right. He might be playing as a true freshman. I mean, we need a right tackle bad, you know, if uh, he ends up playing as a true freshman, that's, Corcoran's going to end up being the kind of guy that we've been hoping for for 20 years on the offensive line. And, you know, with how the offensive line shapes up for next season with Hymas, potentially Ethan Piper, Cam Jurgens, Matt Farniak at right guard, and then Ben Hart at right tackle, Corcoran being ready to go from day one, that'll be huge. That's just gravy on top because that starting five that I just listed off has the potential to be Nebraska's best offensive line in a very long time. Oh, absolutely. And getting Ben Hart in there and moving, who did you say, Farney up, down, that's going to make, that's going to fix a lot of problems that we saw this uh, season. Very quietly, the offensive line got steadily better throughout the season. They were, they were not the problem the last four games, we'll say. I was just talking the other day to someone about how nice it would have been if, um, the offensive line could have rounded into form about two games earlier because they started rounding into form against Indiana. And if that could have been there against Minnesota and if that could have been there against Northwestern, even though we won against Northwestern, probably could have been an even bigger win. 
I think there's a potential that we may be bowling right now instead of sitting at home for the third year in a row. I was going to say we're all talking ourselves into 10 and 2 just right now sitting here. Uh, I'm I'm where I was a year ago at this time, 8 and 4 next year, and I'll be the happiest man in Nebraska. I'm not quite as optimistic as you are, Hoss. But uh, we're going to a bowl game next year. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention about the offensive line is if Corcoran's, you know, if you're looking at Corcoran getting on campus, you know, next month, he's an early enrollee, and by the time spring ball shakes out, he's your fifth best offensive lineman, and you got to figure something out at that left guard spot between uh, Bo Wilson, Trent Hickson, or Ethan Piper. I wouldn't be surprised if Corcoran gets plugged into the left guard spot. You know, let him play guard on that side as a true freshman and then let him take over that left tackle spot, which is what he's slated for once Brendan Hymas graduates at the end of the next season. You all right, John? Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm fading. Are we talking, okay, are we so talking too much? Guinness is there, John? No, I haven't had any alcohol since Thanksgiving still. So. Oh, damn. Oh. You dropping some LBs? I told you guys before we started, I'm making a serious effort to get in better shape and get stronger. Start doing uh, squats. You know, we didn't believe we'll get, you. I, I, we'll get you a jug of protein powder and a gift card to a Cracker Barrel for the chicken fried steak, and we'll get you on a five by five squat regimen. I don't think I, I like. I'm gonna do squat squats. Could you even squat the bar? No, I probably could. I mean, my God, I'm, it's not like I'm. <laughs> well, you're not. You're not ninety and a drooling idiot, so I assume you could. Hey. My girls. Okay, so <laughs> what, what do you, Rick, sir? You drool what do you say to the people that are angry? We didn't take more offensive linemen because we only took two, right? Oh, we're we're stopped. Well, we, we took five or six, five or six last year. We took like all of them last year. Mm-hmm. Two was two was enough. Typer, Fritchie, Grant Banks. I'm missing one. Did we recruit any fullbacks? Oh. No, we didn't recruit any fullbacks. Uh, Unfortunately. John, I know what I'm going to buy you for Christmas. What are you going to buy me for Christmas? I'm going to I'm going to buy you the corn cows and fullbacks T-shirt from shameless shout out here TripleBprinting.com. There you go. Yeah, I'm going to mail it to your home up in. New Ulm or New Hope, Minnesota, wherever the hell you live. Can you provide a link to that in the comments? Yeah. <laughs> I want I want one of those too. I actually do own one just because I was like, yeah, that's cool. But I'm not I'm not a fullback uh nostalgist. I don't even know if that's a word. But uh it is now. Yep. Yeah. We let's call Webster's. Tell me about this Sevian Morrison guy. Devian Morrison. Well, he's from Oklahoma. I'm not going to sing the song, but I want to really bad. He's from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Oh, oh my God. I was taught the version of where the wusses come weeping down the plains. 
Well, there's a very politically incorrect second part to that that I won't repeat on air. Gotcha. Well, Savion Morrison is from Tulsa, where the largest drive-in movie theater in the United States is. So you should know that. And uh, also, he is a very fast runner. Apparently, he had to run all the way around that uh, movie theater or something. I don't know. Is it the Admiral but he Twin? Is fast, fast, fast. So, Rick, what are your thoughts about uh, Marvin Scott the Third? I think Marvin Scott the Third is going to uh, not redshirt next season. I think Same. he is going to play. I think he is going to play right away. Same. So he is. I, he's not an early enrollee, but I, I think he'll play next. I think he'll be playing in August. September. I was really excited. That might be the commit that I was most excited about when we got him because at 215 pounds, he's the Florida heavyweight powerlifting champion. And he's that big back, but he's still explosive, but he's that big back that just hammers people out of 10 personnel when Defo like to defend against the four receivers. He's kind of that he could be that well kind of running back. Kind of like a fullback. For all them people that are angry don't have fullbacks anymore, he's kind of like a fullback. You can see in games like against Northwestern in 2018 and Minnesota in 18, when teams had to go lighter in their defensive person use of 10 and 11 personnel, a back like Divino Zigbo matched up against the hybrid outside linebacker safety. Divine, a back like that is get a win more often than not. So that's a piece of the offense that we really need because we didn't really have an every down back in the offense this past year. I think Dedrick Mills is going to have a big senior season, but having as many guys that you can rotate in at the I back position is huge for this offense. And you saw it at Central Florida when they went 13 and 0. They were running, you know, um, Greg McRae before he got hurt, Adrian Killens, Otis Anderson, all these different guys. And we need that by committee approach again in this offense. Absolutely. And we need that guy that when you need three yards can just go out there and get you three yards. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is something that was sorely lacking last season. We need the oh, guy that can just go out there and just make it out of nothing. By and year's end, Mills was really excelling at that, especially against Wisconsin and Iowa. And it's a shame that this, he didn't catch up to the speed of the Division One game being a bounce back from Juco until later in the year because late in the year he was playing really good football. Um, it would have been great if we could have had him running like that against Colorado early in the season. Yeah, there's that's another thing that would have, you know, we're just, we're close. You know, Scott Frost is wrong, right? Just a that, little bit really of development with one player. We would have been, although I think that that was the combination of things. The holes weren't there, and he didn't know how to wait for them to develop. And it was kind of a combination of, of stuff with that earlier in the season. But, now that we're almost a month out from the end of the year, I look back on the year in totality and really think of what Frost said after the Wisconsin game, of we're so close yet so far. And that really rings true. Um we're a handful of I'm not going to start hitting the Kool-Aid and say we're going to win the division next year. I'm still at that eight and four mark, but we're a handful of plays, probably about six or seven plays away from being nine and three. 
And at some point, there a regression to the mean or return to the mean occurs. You know, we just had horrendously stupid luck in you know roll of the die situations, uh, injuries, all the karmic baggage that's been around this program. And at some point, those things start to break our way. So when you add in players like Omar Manning, who is going to change this entire offense the day he sets foot on campus, we're going to be in we're going to be in a lot better shape. I want to talk to the most Go ahead. Go ahead there. No, because I was going to change topics, so you finish it up, Rick. So I was going to say the number one person that we got on offense was Omar Manning. Because he is going to, he is going to get JD Spielman open. Even if he never gets a reception and just draws defenders and gets JD Spielman open, he bet he's going to generate another hundred yards in offense just by doing it, just by being on the field. His presence is going to open up the quarterback run game when the safety really has to, you know, stay over the top on Manning and can't, you know, just fit into the box against the quarterback run. It's going to, the governor's really going to be taken off of this offense and guys like JD and Cade Warner and, uh, Wandale Robinson, their production's going to increase from Manning's presence on the field as well. My favorite thing in recruiting this year has been the fact that Omar Manning was a kid who got kicked out of TCU, goes to Kilgore Junior College down in Texas. Then TCU has the audacity to try to re-recruit him after kicking him out of the program, and they thought they led for his commitment before he committed here last week. I like Gary Patterson, but come on, man. You kicked the kid out of the program. What what the hell are you thinking? Uh, I think that was the fans. Well, I don't know. Maybe they thought it was tough love or something. True. That That's a very good point. I don't know. Is he going to play when he walks on? The, is he an early enrollee? Is, is he going to play right away? Yeah, he'll be here in January, and he'll yep. be a day one starter at the X receiver position. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yep, it's uh, him and Wandale and JD. Those are your X, Ys, and Zs. I don't even think that we've had. I mean, Maurice Purify would be the last receiver that we've had similar to Omar Manning, but Purify did not have Manning's speed. No, he's yeah, he's like a nanwa with an extra gear. That's what that's what. Man. I've heard some comparisons like to Roy Williams from Texas. I could go. I could see that. Oh yeah, that would be whew, that would be huge. So and then you right, know, guys like Alante Brown out of Chicago. That is a huge recruiting win for us. You know, the thing you got to like about Alante Brown is he spent his uh, entire high school career playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. So he knows where everything is supposed to go, and he knows where everybody on the defense is supposed to go. He knows how to read their positions and everything else. So he has all that football smarts from playing all that quarterback. So yeah, that, just that's on the fly, play. snap off routes into the voided coverage zones. I mean, that, that cannot be understated. Yep, and he's in there early in Lee. He'll be here in a week. Corcoran, the one thing I wanted to add about Corcoran being an early enrollee is that's huge that he's going to be on campus and in a strength in our strength and conditioning program because we kind of got bit a little bit here with Bryce Benhart 
staying for the second semester of his senior year to wrestle. And in the process, lost 60 pounds just so he could wrestle. And it was an ongoing process the rest of the year since when he got here in May to get him back up to his playing weight from his senior year in high school. Yeah, that's a lot of pasta. Oh, yeah. I mean, at that age, he <laughs> should be able to pack it back on. But he pro- if he doesn't have to do that, he's probably he probably works himself into the starting rotation at some point in 2019. Yeah, at least getting uh, at least that. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, all right. Of course, Ouch, yes, sir. With uh, you know early signing day for uh, National Letter of Intent, of course, there's a a little uh, press conference that Scott Frost had or or, or held uh, towards the end of the day, and among the things, you know, obviously he was pleased with. Uh, uh, how signing day went, but talked about the fact that, you know, some, uh, some of the players on the, you know, on the 2019 team, uh, in his words, quote, we had a lot of guys that had minor surgeries to get things cleaned up. And, and, uh, one of those was Adrian Martinez. Um, you know, he, he goes on to say, well, no surgery is minor, but there are obviously very varying degrees of, you know, the magnitude of the surgery um, didn't get any specifics aside from at least in, in coordination's recap of it um, about who, uh, you know, who else was, was having surgeries. But I don't think it's any surprise that Adrian Martinez would be having uh, at least some little operation uh, at the end of regular season. I mean, he, he was, the, the season took a toll on, on Martinez. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, I personally, that answers a lot of questions for me because I was very much on the uh, McCaffrey, the McCaffrey, Team McCaffrey b- before this press conference. But this answers a lot of questions. So I don't, you guys ever had shoulder surgery? So I've mm-hmm. had two. Uh, so first of all, fair share of shoulder problems. So first, so I've had two surgeries, which were both torn. If you're going to have shoulder surgery, it's either a torn labrum or it's uh, torn ligaments. So if you're an athlete, it's pretty much always torn labrum. What I've and if he makes it back in time for spring ball, that is some amazing physical therapy. That's all I got to say. I mean, I'm not 19 anymore, so it takes me a little bit longer to heal, but. My last one took six months before I could raise my arm over my shoulder. So, I mean, I don't have, you know, the the combined might of the Nebraska coaching resources behind behind my uh, rehabilitation either. So, I, well, you know. Uh, Frost did I conclude. I baby doctors. And Frost did conclude the saying that everybody that has surgery, I think, will be ready for spring ball. So. I think Jack Stoll's another one who had surgery too. So I mean, this I is I... after you. No, I, I was going to change subject again. Go. Come on, you're running this show. I know, and that's why I told you to go. You're the skipper. I, I drive the car. I, I don't have anything to say. Now you're <laughs> full of shit. Anyway, well, my uh, eyes are brown. 
I was going to say, I don't have anything else. Uh, unless, I mean, I think, you know, maybe not, maybe we didn't name all players uh, that, that signed today. Maybe we did. All, all right, here's something that it, maybe if somebody just listens to the podcast and they don't go to coordination, uh, are there any targets out there that Nebraska is looking at for the signing day in February? Like, who is putting off their decision till February that Nebraska still has their eye on? No one. Okay. Now, there are a couple of people that have to, that haven't signed yet. Um, uh, most prominent would be Xavier Betts, you know, out of Bellevue West uh, High School. So, uh, very highly regarded, very highly regarded wide receiver. He's got a couple of classes he's got to get passed before he can sign. So he's not signing until February. Additionally, there is a Juco the uh, defensive end named Junior Aho, and uh, he is not signed yet because they're not sure he, he might have to find a new home. So they, he was kind of a backup to the backup, and uh, I think he might have to find a new home. But there's no more spots to fill. I think there's like one spot left that they're saving for possibly a grad transfer after spring ball, and that is it classes full. All right. Well, that sounds like a successful day for the Nebraska Cornhusker football team. And uh, John is asleep, and so we appreciate his participation. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to ask about I, I wasn't done with this class. Oh, God, nearly that's a- John's music. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Don. Ask your question. Logan Smothers, is he an early enrollee? Yes. Yep. So he's going to be considered along with McCaffrey and Martinez and Bedrill. The Bedrill doesn't leave. Uh, uh, well, he's, he's not in the transfer portal, right? Well, that's that stuff won't happen until spring ball. Spring game, week. That, that's when all every players will start showing up in the in the transfer portal. So, I personally don't think Noah Vedral will transfer, just because he's from Nebraska. He wanted to be at Nebraska. He want he wants to be here. So I don't think it's. I think he wants to be at home. You know, this is home, and he wants to be at home. I don't think he'll transfer for playing time. I think he wanted to play at Nebraska. I'm not saying he's going to play, but I don't think he'll transfer. I don't think McCaffrey will transfer. I think. Uh, okay, so so we went into Alabama and we pulled the four-star Colorado quarterback out of Alabama. How did that happen? We offered well, first. Yeah, we got there first. We were first in line. You think so? Oh, I know so. We were his first uh, Power Five offer, and he was a low three-star, and nobody had ever heard of him. And all of a sudden, they're like, "What the heck is uh, Nebraska doing?" They watch the film and they're like, "Oh my god!" So, and uh, they did a really good job of staying with him, and he received a lot of enticing offers from very prominent school to uh, to flip, and said, "Nope, I am uh, I'm dancing with the girl that brought me." Is he a dual threat? Oh yeah. yeah. He oh, might yeah. even be. So he's, in the, he's, he's in the frame. Uh, 
He might even be a tri-threat, John. Because he'll beat you with his arm, his legs, and with the powers of his mind. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he is I don't know, he's nails, got... too. So, I mean, he, he played games with cracked ribs and everything this season. I mean, he is Taylor Martinez tough. So. He's got nice hair. <laughs> well, I suppose that's important. Some you got to have a hair team and you got to have a name team. Good quarterbacks always have good hair. If you make a comparison, I'm going to hang up. I'm just saying. uh, Belichick said that one time about the draft. Good quarterbacks always have good hair. Hey, everybody. We appreciate it. That's our our show. We, We got our obligatory one Patriots reference in there for some damn reason. And, uh, and and you can edit that out, you know. And I, I, th- I think you overestimate how much post production work I actually do on this thing. In, well, in other I words, mean, I don't do I much post production reference. I mean, that's worth it. Well, you know, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I can t- tell you that much. Nope. I hope how it's the Chiefs. Good year. It, it's it's time for the KC Chiefs to take it all. And at this point, I'll take anybody besides New England. (laughs) Although your Steelers ain't gonna win. Shut up! Uh, I was just gonna say, if it comes down to like the AFC Championship comes down to New England and Baltimore, I I don't know. I'm that'd be like a threat level midnight situation. I'm not prepared for because both of those teams can die in a dumpster fire. You know, metaphorically, I don't actually want people to die. I just, you know, say for entertainment. Moving. All right, so that's our show. Um, we're going to get the hell out. Rick, we appreciate you, uh, you know, doing the, the horse doctoring, uh, but also all your recruiting work and uh, and for, for joining us on the Five Heart Podcast and uh, giving us an update on early signing day 2019. That's it. Uh, any final words, Rick? No, I just I've really I've really enjoyed being the recruiting correspondent, and I've really enjoyed uh, interacting with you guys. Well, see, you're the one. We appreciate it. You're the one who's enjoyed interacting with us. So, thank you. <laughs> All right for uh, for Rick, for myself, Greg Mahashko, for Hoss Reuter, John Dam Johnston. Uh, hey, you can find us anywhere you find good podcasts. Nay, anywhere you find great podcasts. The Five Heart Podcast is there. Uh, interact with us on social media at the number Five Heart Podcast on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Five Written Out Heart Podcast. Uh, at Coronation on both social media platforms. And uh, hey, we remind you this week and every week the Five Heart is all the heart you need. John, if you're awake, go Big Red. Yes, I'm awake, you pig dog. Win the damn off season. Win the damn off season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.